the world is calling us to expand our comfort zone right now. <laughs> and <clears throat> pardon me, the best way to move past your comfort zone is with mindful action. And there is a little bit of prep work leading up to mindful action. And so I just want to remind you that today's talk is the third talk in a series of three. So this is three of three. On June 14th, I asked you to cast your mindful intention of what a just world looks and feels like. And on June 21st, I asked you to engage mindful speech by speaking responsibly, listening to understand, experiencing discomfort, expecting non-closure and building trust. Those two talks you can find on our website and YouTube if you haven't uh, seen or heard them yet. And today, in our third installment, I'm asking you to take mindful action. And our central question is, how do we take mindful action in our efforts to create a just world for all? And so let us begin with a quote from Ernest Holmes who wrote in The Science of Mind, the whole purpose of the science of mind is to reconcile the apparent separation of the spiritual world, which must be perfect, with the material world, which appears imperfect. So this is our spiritual path. This is our entire purpose to reconcile how things look in the world and what we know is true. So we're moving from those conditions into a deeper realization of truth. And so mindful action asks you to have space for both of these in your mind and in your heart. Here's where we are and here's what we know to be true. And part of this truth of living into our spiritual perfection is recognizing that absolutely everyone has this same spiritual power. And yet we are living in a culture, in a society where we have different levels of social power and privilege. And so one of the questions that I ask is, how does this variation in circumstances, this variation in social power and privilege, how does that impact our realization of our spiritual power and perfection? This is that reconciliation, right? And I've been looking toward our book of the month this month is Skill in Action by Michelle Cassandra Johnson. 
And I love this subtitle. It's called Radicalizing Your Yoga Practice to Create a Just World. And so when I read this book, I think about it as radicalizing your spiritual practice to create a just world. And she teaches us that the way that one is experiencing something is defined by their identities and lens or framework. So mindful action takes into account a few things that she tells us about in her book. And the first one is, is, is that there are multiple truths happening here at the same time. So there, there can be one event and many different experiences of it. So for any of you who have siblings, I'm actually the third daughter out of three, three girls that I grew up with. And, and have you ever had that experience where you begin talking about a memory from your childhood and your sibling remembers it completely different than you remembered it? <laughs> yeah, this is what we're being asked to consider right now, that, that even if it's just one event, that there are multiple experiences happening at the same time. And, and so in that, actually recognizing that even though it's different than your experience, that it is also true, valid, and correct. So there's your experience that is true, valid, and correct. And there's another experience happening for someone else, and that is also true, valid, and correct. So there's multiple truths happening at the same time. That's the first part of stepping into mindful action, is recognizing that multiple human truths are, are all happening simultaneously. So there's a bit of an unknown here then, right? Mindful action is actually asking you to step into the unknown. Because while you know your own experience, it's not possible to know and understand someone else's experience unless they share it with you, unless they tell you what it is. So there's multiple truths, and you know yours, but you don't necessarily know other people's experiences. So just allowing for that unknown, recognizing that you don't know everything, that you know part of it. And so mindful action does not make assumptions about people based on how they appear to you. It's often our assumptions about people, either how they look or what they say or what they do. It's usually assumptions we make about them that can get us into trouble. 
So instead of assuming what their experience is, just allow that you don't know unless they've told you. Sometimes I don't really like to not know. <laughs> I like to feel like I know everything about a situation so that gives me some level of comfort and security. But in this expanding our comfort zone, especially around reconciling racial justice, let us put our assumptions aside and recognize that there are many things about others, even if we know them well, that we don't know. And mindful action, this fourth element of mindful action, understands identities. Now this one is a little bit mm, deeper. We're deepening here. We're deepening into understanding the reconciliation between our human truth and our spiritual truth by recognizing that each one of us has our own set of identities that impact our experience and embodiment of spiritual truth. So in Skill in Action, Michelle Cassandra Johnson says, Skill in action is a practice of recognizing my own and others' identities, wholeness, and humanity, and owning my responsibility to the collective good. So something that I'm asking you to consider today is that each one of us has a responsibility to the collective good, and that part of owning that responsibility is understanding your identity and understanding the identity of others. So I want to just share with you right now some of my identities. Because unless you've really thought about it, um, oftentimes we're just moving through the world with our identities and not realizing it. But, but let's take a moment to become aware of these identities so that we can take this mindful action toward realizing a just world for all. So this is an activity in our book of the month. There's an activity in there that walks you through recognizing your identities. So I'm just going to share mine with you and I'm going to do it on the slower end so that you can also consider your identities as I'm talking. And so you can notice the categories I'm using so that you can learn your own identities. You can write your identities down too if you want to so that you can see them in front of you. I'm gonna ask you something about them a little bit later on. It's okay though, there's not a test or a quiz. <laughs> but this might be important information for you. So here are some of my identities. I am biracial. My mother is white and my father is Inupiat. So I'm biracial. 
I am a woman. I am straight or heterosexual. I am cisgender. And this means that the gender I was born with is the gender I identify as. So there's a, an alignment between how I present to the world and what my birth gender is, is the same as my identity. That's what cisgender means. There are others who have a different identity than how they present and a different identity than what they were born with. Another one of my identities is that I am able-bodied. I'm married. I'm a mom. I am financially secure and stable. I am plus-sized and petite. I am educated. I'm middle-aged. And I'm a US citizen currently living in Canada. I also identify as a spiritual person. And one of the privileges I enjoy is that I can practice my spirituality freely and openly. So we can take a look at each identity that you have. You can look at it and, and, and say, okay, has this, how has this identity granted me a privilege? And how have I been targeted because of this identity? In general, there's a combination of both of those things happening for everyone. We're not just one or the other. We've got multiple identities. Some make us privileged, some make us targeted. And so, Michelle Cassandra Johnson asks us to begin to examine that, to begin to examine in what ways have you been privileged and what ways have you been targeted? And so I'm just gonna share a little bit more about some of the ways I've been privileged by my identities. For example, as a woman, I can talk with children that I don't know in public without being considered a suspect or with ulterior motives. It is, it's safe for me to express affection to my husband in public. I can use the appropriate bathroom without any, um, any fear. I can do that safely. I can move freely. As a US citizen, when it's not a global pandemic, I can usually travel where I want, come and go. 
as an educated person, I have access to jobs, opportunities, conversation because of my education. So these are some ways that I've been privileged. Each one of these comes with other ways that I've been targeted. Being biracial, I generally don't fit into um, any specific category. And I've definitely experienced sexism as a woman. And so I just would ask you to consider your identities. This is your homework. <laughs> consider your identities and which ways you've been privileged and which ways you've been targeted. So mindful action calls for us to stay with this exploration, right? It's not comfortable, right? But when we stay present and we look at our identities, we read about other people's identities, you see, it's hard to know, sometimes near impossible to know what other people experience because of their identities, unless they tell you about them. Because if you don't have that identity, you simply might not realize what they go through. So we expand our willingness to stay with the difficult in two ways. We're gonna practice acceptance and self-acceptance. And I always do this as a two-step process to practice acceptance. One is, what are you willing to release? And what are you willing to embrace? So through this process of learning and expanding your awareness, are you, what are you willing to release and what are you willing to embrace? Here's some, here's some things that I often do. Release fear, embrace courage. Release judgment, embrace our shared humanity. Release the need for peace without justice and embrace justice with accountability and subsequent change. So mindful action calls for us to be in alignment, to match our words with our intention. And in order to do this, we must know our intention. So I ask you again, to consider during this time, during this awakening is what I have started to call it. I used to call it like civil unrest, civil chaos, <laughs> um, uprising, right, is another good word. But I have started to call this an awakening because truthfully, spiritual awakenings, they're not like a walk in the park. Oftentimes, spiritual awakenings happen because you become aware of something all of a sudden that changes your life, that there's like a before this awareness and there's like an after this awareness. So usually an awakening shakes things up. It shakes up the status quo and, it's, and it 
generally sends you a message that says you can no longer go on how you have been and it's requiring you to make some changes to move forward. Now, spiritual awakenings are also necessary, right? Sometimes without that shakeup, we can just stay like, ah, in the status quo, we can stay complacent, we can stay just in the back seat, maybe going with the flow. But the thing about a spiritual awakening is that when you use that to move you into actively engaging in your healing work, then you are inviting the truth of your soul, of your spirit to come forward, the truth of your being to come forward. So yes, this requires you to look at the truth of your circumstances, truth with a little t. But when you do that, you are inviting truth with a capital T to come forward. And this is why when we go through a spirit, an individual spiritual awakening, we usually um, seek out the support of our practitioner or counselor or therapist or minister, because usually facing those circumstances and feelings can be super challenging to do on your own. And so you don't have to do that on your own. You can do this together. It's partly why we're gathered here, right? So we can do it together. And sometimes what happens is we can know something in our mind, but we don't yet feel it in our heart. And so when that happens, all it means is that there is an undiscovered truth or an unfelt feeling or an unconscious belief that's stopping us from knowing the truth. So I'm just going to say that again, because when we know something to be true, but we can't feel it yet, there's one of three things happening. There's an undiscovered thought that's stopping that truth from from moving into our heart, or there's an unfelt feeling, something we refuse to feel, or there's an unconscious belief hanging around that's simply stopping us from fully embodying the truth. And so this is part of our process of mindful action. Okay, so let's discover that thought. Let's feel that feeling. Let's unearth that unconscious belief. This is the process of our spiritual path. These are the things we do on our spiritual path. Why? Why do we do those things? We do them so that we can experience truth at a deeper level and understand our power, our power to create our power to love, our power to make change and difference in the world. We do this on an individual level all the time. And now we're being asked to translate this into a collective level. And so let's discover experiences of other people that we haven't known about. Let's feel how it feels in our own heart to hear about their experience 
let us feel what that feels like. Why is it do you think we turn off the news? Because we can't feel it. And yet we know this on a personal level that if we do not feel what is in our heart to feel, we will never fully embody our healing. What are the unconscious beliefs that we might be holding around race, ethnicity, culture, gender, sexuality, classism? What are the unconscious beliefs we have in our own self that are leading to more oppression or marginalization? And, I, and they're just simply unconscious. We don't have to judge it as bad, evil, or wrong. Let us just recognize, oh, that's unconscious. Well, I'm, I'm here to make the unconscious conscious. I'm here to shine a light on that. This is why we have to like hold each other's hands and go do workshops together and classes together and pray together because it's, it can be challenging. And yet when we can come together, we can support each other. This collective transformation requires each one of us to, to have an individual awakening as well. And I want to, um, I'm going to pull this up. I accidentally closed it. But as I close here, we're just going to ground this in, in an affirmation to carry us forward. And this affirmation is from Ernest Holmes. So when you think about this, this process of moving from our human ex experience and condition of racial injustice, and we move to this realization of racial just, right? When there's a just world for everyone, here is a, an affirmation for you. I am a center in the divine mind, a point of God consciousness, life, truth, and action. My affairs are divinely guided and guarded into right action, into correct results. I am continuously directed. I am compelled to do the right thing at the right time, to say the right word at the right time, to follow the right course at all times. So as we continue this journey together, creating a world that honors everyone, where love naturally unfolds, let us remember that God is right here at the center of each one of us. I know that you are divinely guided and guarded to the highest and best expression of love, peace, and justice. And so it is. Hey, thanks for tuning in. We're supported 100% by your generous contributions. If you found value in this episode, please give online at csl-whiterock.com. 
And while you're there, be sure to sign up for our newsletter so that you'll be notified of future episodes as well as ways to connect, learn, and grow. Thank you and abundant blessings on your path.